I'm Darwin Zook. Thanks for tuning in to MLB Extras podcast, Rockies edition. We'll be joined by Rocks reporter Thomas Harding in just a couple of moments, but just want to go over some news and notes with the Rockies that we'll ask Thomas about. GM Jeff Breidich speaking and the team not electing to extend qualifying offers to a couple players, including a bit of a surprise, perhaps, and Adam Ottavino. Also, second baseman DJ LeMay, who's up for a gold glove. We'll discuss that with Thomas as well. He also has not extended a qualifying offer, and the Rockies, in addition, declined to pick up the option on Gerardo Parra. We'll ask Thomas about all of that, but first, let's hear from GM Jeff Breidich talking about Nolan Arenado and the future he has with the Rockies. We made the decision to not have discussions during the season and not uh, press the issue and, and keep the focus on the field for him. You know, we knew that, that there were going to be discussions at some point this offseason um, or postseason, and, um, and I expect that there will be. And, you know, we would uh, – we've already engaged to, you know, over, over a number of years with, you know, just kind of going back and forth a little bit. As I've, I think I've hinted at or, or mentioned in the past that there have been some conversations and um, and they've been good conversations. They've been honest conversations. They've been adults, forthright. I mean, everything's been above board that way. I think for both sides. Um, so I, I would expect that to continue. Um, you know, I don't. It's not like there's a perfect timeline or a specific timeline, but um, you know, we'd love to have him here, and he knows that. We'll see what happens. And now as we bring in Thomas Harding, Rockies reporter, who was right there listening to Jeff Breidish today. Uh, Thomas, what do you make of what Breidish had to say and moving forward with the negotiations that could take place with Arenado? Well, I think that uh, he feels like they've been positive on both sides, as he said, on the conference call. So they'll take it a step at a time. I mean, he didn't guarantee that there was going to be this big multi-year deal, obviously that would be the outcome that the Rockies and most of their fans would like. He didn't guarantee anything really along those lines. He just said they would keep talking. Now, here's what I find interesting. He did say that that uh, they did not talk during the regular season. And I remember last spring training, uh, Arenado said he didn't want to talk during the regular season. With Charlie Blackman, <clears throat> before they reached the multi-year deal, they dealt with a one-year of ar- arbitration during the offseason. And then they kept talking, and that deal came together about the first week of the regular season. It was in San Diego right after their first series in Arizona. So I don't know how hard, if they set this deadline of next regular season, I don't know how hard they'd set it. I don't know um, what uh, negotiations negotiations would be like during the winter. I mean, could they entertain trading him? I suppose, but a team that thinks it's as close as it is uh, like the Rockies do, I, I think they would rather win with him than without him. Yeah, and Arenado is obviously such a key part to the franchise, not just on the field, but off the field, to the fans and everything there. So uh, do you get a sense of the direction that they want to go in? I mean, in Arizona, there's a similar situation with Paul Goldschmidt. I, he has one more year under team control, and they would like to re-sign him, but they also, also don't want to lose him for nothing. So could a trade ever be in the works if they feel like a negotiation in terms of a long-term deal couldn't happen with Arenado. I think so. However, um, there's a little bit of a difference between the Rockies and the Diamondbacks, or at least that's the way I'm reading the situation, and that the Diamondbacks are pretty close to um, that decision. Should we take a step back and rebuild as opposed to 
push forward. The Rockies are right there. So I believe to trade Arenado, they're going to have to be able to replace him um, at third base, obviously. And there's a lot of production offensively and some great defense there, which is very important to the Rockies. And they still need another bet to help that lineup. I mean, they tied with the Dodgers after 162 games, but really the offense was not of championship caliber. So if they're able to match up what you expect out of a Rockies offense with the pitching that they have, they really could finally win that division for the first time in their history. So that's kind of hanging uh, above the Rockies' head with this Arenado thing as opposed to the Diamondbacks where it does appear that there is a there is some thought, gee, maybe we should take a step back and build for a future year rather than 2019. We're talking with Rockies reporter Thomas Harding. And Thomas, we touched on this before. Gerardo Parra, the team declining the option on his contract for next year, making him a free agent. And also, as we mentioned, not extending qualifying offers to Adam Ottavino and DJ LeMayhew. Any surprise with any of those names I just said in terms of not offering contracts yet at this time? Um, the, the one that I wondered about was... Adam Adovino, because on the open market, there may be some teams looking to fill a ninth inning role even. The Rockies have Wade Davis here, uh, but that's right in line with what closers make. Now, uh, Adovino is probably going to be looking for a multi-year deal out there, so maybe it doesn't make that much of a difference here, and the Rockies can negotiate. Um, as Jeff Breidich told us on the conference call, they really like Adam Adovino. Um, he had said that and pointed out that he had a really rough 2017, but then came back in 2018 and really pitched well for them. And they had signed him to a multi-year deal before after he'd come off Tommy John surgery. So the Rockies feel like they know him very well. He knows the Rockies very well, and maybe they can work out something. Same with LeMahieu. Um, they did say, or Breitich did say, that uh, LeMahieu has been a very big contributor here, and certainly they love his makeup. Not only, not only the makeup in the clubhouse and off the field, but during the summer when they surged to the top of the division and made themselves a playoff contender, LeMahieu hit for more power than anybody expected him to. So I think they will make an attempt there, although it does look like they have some in-house replacements in Garrett Hampson, in Ryan McMahon, who can play second base. But that, it looks like they're going to throw their hats in the ring for both of those guys. I don't know how that will result. Carlos Gonzalez, is he done as a Rocky, or is there any chance that he could come back for another year? You know, I, I often think about that because it seems like this is his home. You know what I mean? The Rockies seem to be his team, and the Rockies have a lot of fond feelings for him. The question that I have is they're looking for more power out of another spot in that lineup, and Gonzalez, while he almost hit 300 this year, even, even after a rotten start, the power isn't the same as it was a number of years ago. Now, do they bring him back as part of the outfield um, here and try to figure it out that way? Or do they go out and get another bat, say, to play first base or second base? Uh, one of the things about the Rockies is because they're so versatile with their young players, they don't, they're not necessarily locked position-wise when they go out on the free agent market. Um, I don't think he'll be back, but it would it would not surprise me because it seems like they were made for each other. I mean, um, Gonzalez has not been a bench bat before. Could he adjust to that, or do they go back to Toronto Parra? Those are things that I guess will shake out over the course of the offseason. 
and LeMay, who also a finalist for a gold glove at second base. Just wanted to get your thoughts on that. November coming up on Sunday, the five, the winners announced for the gold gloves. Nolan Arenado trying to win his sixth straight gold glove. And we've been talking about Arenado and LeMay, who here, but do you think those guys are taking home some more hardware come Sunday? I'll tell you what, I definitely think on Arenado, he should take it. Um, National League, there isn't a third baseman that, that uh, really has challenged him for the top third baseman. I guess overall in baseball, I noticed uh, when when some other awards came out, Matt Chapman ended up getting the Fielding Bible Award. I mean, he and Arenado from the same high school. Gee, you know, <laughs> that, that high school must be third base high, I guess. Um as far as the uh, as far as second base is concerned, I'm really intrigued by this because if you look at the Rockies, I think you could take DJ LeMayhew's production, also Arenado and Trevor Story, but DJ LeMayhew as being a big part of why they pitch so well. Um, when the Rockies kind of made this this incarnation of the Rockies under Jeff Breidich and now Bud Black before that Walt Weiss, they felt they needed pitchers who pitched in the strike zone and infielders who put away ground ball outs because there's nothing you can do about the big gaps of course field, but you can't let balls get through the infield or throw balls away or anything like that. And I've seen DJ LeMahieu do so much for his pitchers over that time. So I, you know, I lean toward him as being a gold glove uh, candidate and it would be nice if he were to win another one. And definitely I, I just don't see a National League third baseman surpassing Renato. Yeah, and you're making a strong case, too, and maybe tr- for the Rockies to try and bring, bring LeMayhew back as well. Clearly an important cog to that infield moving forward. Wanted to ask you a little bit about the Arizona Fall League before we uh, wrap up here, Thomas. Pitcher Justin Lawrence representing the Rockies in the Arizona Fall League All-Star Game. And for those folks listening here, you can tune into that Saturday night, 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific on MLB Network. A lot of great young talent in that Arizona Fall League All-Star Game. Talk a little bit about Justin Lawrence um, and also Tyler Nevin named player of the week. He went six for 11 from what I saw last week with three triples. So that's impressive. Talks about some of those younger players there for the Rockies. Yeah. First of all, I'll start with Tyler Nevin because you're looking at a corner infielder. He was able to move from third base, which is his natural position to first um, last season because they also had Colton Welker on that Lancaster team, but this guy could play either corner and I think that at some point in his career and in his baseball career, he could even go out to the outfield. I mean, I met him on draft day, a big kid, a very well put together kid, though, and everything I hear about him, an excellent athlete. As far as Justin Lawrence, been kind of following him really since he was drafted because he was taken in the 12th round. And at that time, we did a number of stories on guys that maybe weren't in the prime rounds of the draft, but people that that um, you kind of had an idea could become major league players. And Lawrence, he fit the profile because he went to a four-year school, Jacksonville University, um, then transferred to a junior college, and while there, changed his arm angle and became a side armor. And sometimes uh, guys like that bloom real late. So when he got into the organization in the 12th round, um, they brought in Steve Reed, who had pitched in the major leagues for a number of years, uh, seven of those seasons with the Rockies and pitched for seven teams. This is a guy who threw sidearm and really one of those guys that kind of came from nowhere. He was a 50th round draft pick when there were 50 rounds in the draft. And here he is. He puts up a, a, a career of about 14 or 15 years. They brought in Steve Reed to work with uh, Justin Lawrence, and it has really worked out. Reed taught him things to keep himself online, meaning 
if his pitch location is getting out of hand, kind of gave him a three-part checklist to figure it out. Now Justin Lawrence is throwing multiple pitches at 100 miles an hour, six of them this year in fall league play. And it looks like the guy who finished last year in high class A could really put himself on the map, get on the 40-man roster. If he doesn't get on the 40-man roster, I would suspect that someone would try to take him in the Rule 5 draft because people that throw in in double digits, uh, when they come around, they tend to move quickly through a system. Absolutely. Certainly two players we want to follow moving forward for sure, as well as everything with Nolan Arenado and the progress about possible extensions with him as well. Thomas, great stuff as always. We appreciate the time, my friend. Thank you, Pat. Absolutely. Thomas Harding joining us on MLB Extras.